So we're halfway through the semi-finals of the World Magic Cup, and I'm at the news desk. Now, the news desk uh, in Nice this time around was very, very public. Anyone could just wander up, be within about all four feet uh, of my back, which was very disconcerting for all the people who want to actually uh, slip a knife between my ribs and end it. Uh, so uh, I was just sitting there watching the semi-finals on the monitor and a well-respected magic pro who shall remain nameless came up and started engaging in conversation and he said look i've been meaning to ask you this for a while your jokes where do they come from I'm like, okay apparently we're not having a serious magical uh, discussion we're getting on to something really important in terms of life my jokes good call and i said well what do you mean where do they come from and he said well english isn't my first language so I don't really get the jokes. I'm too slow for them. You say them, or someone says them, and people laugh, and then I kind of piece it all together four or five seconds later. Oh, the same word but spelt differently. Yes, I see. That gives it a completely different meaning now. Right, yes, oh, that's clever and funny. So he said, so how, how do you do it? Do you, do you sit there and decide to work them out? Um, and I said, well, no, actually, it's literally the way I see the world. So as an example, uh, I see the world a lot in numbers. Uh, I've never got on an elevator without looking to see how many floors there are. Uh, Remind me to do the joke about Hilbert's Hotel at some point, but not today. We've got infinite time for that, I guess. Anyway, um, I always walk up and down stairs, mostly down, because up's hard work, and I count the stairs, and I wonder what they divide by. So if there are 39 steps, that's three lots of 13. I know in all the houses I've ever been, I know exactly how many steps there are in every to and from every level and so on. Um, I count 38, 38 and 36. That's the number of steps you take on the moving walkway at Manchester Airport between Terminal 3 and the railway station. There are three moving walkways and the third one is a little bit shorter than the previous two. And 38 is the number of steps that I always take. Yeah, I know. Am, am I alone in, in seeing the world like that? I don't think I can be. I'm sure Frank Carsten does. So in any case, I said to Martin, in the same way as I often see the world in numbers uh, and I hear the world in music, I can't ever get in that same elevator without listening to what the music is and working out what the chords are and, and all that stuff. I cannot passively listen to music. Music is just always on for me. And I said, in the same way, Jokes are always on, because to me, words are just combinations of letters and they're combinations of syllables that you can chop up. Um, and so right now, for example, I am looking on OBS, it says profile untitled. And if I just take the word untitled, think, OK, so... What if that was United Nations, UN, titled? Is there something to do with that that could be 
use. You just capitalize the end, you get UN titled, United Nations titled, okay, or um, or it's almost like untilted, but not quite. So you could maybe do a joke about tilting and tilts to do with magic. So maybe there's something there or it's got lead on the end, LED. So that could be light emitting diode, something to do with lights or lead, LEAD, like something to do with a pencil um, and then and so on. So I just constantly see letters and shapes of words and work out what you could do with them. Uh, and that means that when I see a magic card, any magic card ever, that sort of process is always on. Uh, so today's joke comes from that conversation with a well-known magic pro. Um, and so I have a question for you now and you'll get the answer at the end of the show. So the question is, how do sheep communicate with dinosaurs. How do sheep communicate with dinosaurs? And I'll tell you the answer to that at the end of the show. I'm Rich Hagen and this is Talking Points or Talking Points. Talking Points is brought to you by Hipsters of the Coast. Become a patron and support unique magic content like this at patreon.com slash hipsters of the coast. Yes, hello everyone. Welcome to episode 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, count it, 5 of Talking Points or Talking Points. With me, your host, Rich Hagen. As you can tell by the lovely green screen behind me, or green-ish screen behind me, uh, we are in the fabulous uh, entertainment capital of the world that is Gainsborough in the United Kingdom for approximately, dear Lord, about another four hours before I get on another plane to go to Oklahoma City. And at the end of the show, we'll talk a little bit about Oklahoma City and we'll talk a little bit about Madrid because those are the two events next week because the world of magic, it never, ever stops except possibly on Christmas Day. So, um, the plan for the show is to give you the complete A to Z of the World Magic Cup. We will go through all 73 teams, how they did, or in some cases how they didn't uh, do, and uh, then, as I say, we'll, we'll knock out a little bit of uh, OKC and Madrid, uh, and uh, then we'll be done. And I imagine it'll all take about 10 minutes, because that's how long these shows normally are. So, first things first. I love a story that starts like this and it carries on like this and it looks like this straight line is where it's going and then you get a little clue that maybe it's going to veer off slightly and then it comes back on course and you think oh, okay yeah, I know exactly what this story is about and then just before it gets there oh, and it's gone. Those are the best stories and I have a story that goes like this. It's Thursday at the World Magic Cup. It's registration day. So all the teams are turning up, ready to take their photos with the flag. It's always a little bit chaotic, even though there's a great system in place, because there's a lot of languages flying about, a lot of excitement flying about, a lot of missing passports flying about. And everyone has to get registered and get in the right seat and all that good stuff. 
So I'm out in the lobby watching teams arrive and a player on one of the lesser known teams, that's a euphemism for I still don't know what country they're from, walks in and says to someone in a magic shirt, I would like to talk to someone from Wizards of the Coast. Okay, so they go and find someone from Wizards of the Coast. Hello, he says. My name is and I'm from me. Person and country have been redacted to protect the guilty. Hello, from M, says Wizards of the Coast representative. How can I help you? I have a question, says said player. And my question is, tomorrow, during the matches, do I have to wear a shirt? Just think about that for a moment. What do you think this conversation's about? You might think this is a conversation about wearing a shirt. That's what I thought. That's what the poor wizards person thought too. Let's carry on, shall we? Wizards person, hold on a moment. Let me get back to you. Wizards person totters away. Chat, 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 chat in the background. Player, who's asked whether he needs to wear a shirt the next day, waits patiently. Wizards of the Coast representative returns to player. I'm very, very sorry, eh, of eh, you're going to have to wear a shirt tomorrow. Player says, thank you very much. Walks away, goes into the restroom, comes out for the national team photo one minute later, not wearing pants, but in a loincloth. It wasn't about a shirt at all. He just wanted to make sure. Okay, thanks. Not to worry. I didn't care about the shirt in any case. He turned up in the shirt for the team photo and he's wearing a loincloth. Just picture the scene. Imagine you're second to the table. You get there. You sit down opposite this guy. You shake hands. You play magic for an hour. Then he stands up and says, good game. Oh, talk about a metagame surprise. Goodness me. Fantastic. Hello, wizards. I'm wondering whether I could... <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so, hats off. That, I think, was probably my favourite moment of the entire weekend. I didn't say it was... I didn't say that on camera as my favourite moment of the weekend. But, dear Lord, that was smooth. Oh, awesome. So, that was Thursday. And then we turned up on Friday uh, and we had seven rounds, um, which was less weird than I thought it was going to be. I was expecting it to be a little bit weird because it's sort of a reverse of a GP. No one has any buys. And then as soon as you win four rounds, you get buys. It's like I'm four and oh, and my last three opponents won't appear. And I'll be awarded a fifth win, a sixth win, and a seventh win. And then after round five, if I get to four and one, well, then that's the next two rounds that I know no one's going to turn up to play me. And therefore, I get two more wins, and, and that's six and one. And if I win in round six, I don't have to play the last round. I'm just four and two. Thanks very much. Bye. 
literally by not just by you see see words different means mm. anyway uh, and so let me tell you about my superpower everyone has a superpower that they imagine they would have if they were a superhero mine is air walls air walls are what some convention centers have to divide massive rooms into smaller rooms. And why would I want air walls to be my superpower for good? Well, it turns out that, say at a Grand Prix, you want a room that can accommodate two and a half thousand people at the start of day one. And there's still two and a half thousand people about halfway through day one, because even though a few hundred have dropped from the main event, they're all playing side events. On day two though, you want far fewer. The main event is down to a few hundred people. And although a lot of people have come back from day one, not everyone has, you want the room to be smaller. And for the main event, you want the room to be a lot, 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 lot smaller. And then as the day whittles on and more and more people fall out of the tournament, you want it to keep getting smaller until, in a perfect world, you would create this intimate, wonderful arena, a bit like the feature match area at a Pro Tour, um, with people around it, to watch the top eight, where there are only eight players left. And you will just constantly shrink the venue down, as it was needed. That's why Airwolves are my superhero power. But of course, sadly, I was a bit too busy to use my superhero powers in these, which meant that at the start of the day, we've got 219 people playing, 73 countries. And then after four rounds, 12 people stop playing because four countries are through. And after round five, another eight countries don't bother to play anymore. And after the sixth round, another 12 countries don't bother to play anymore because 24 of them are through. And a third of the room's empty. And it's still only tea time. And you don't get that at the Pro Tour because almost everyone on day one plays almost all the rounds. Sure, there's the occasional pro who's like at one and six and just goes, I'm not playing this last round. No, just kill me now. But by and large, everyone plays every round. And this was, this just, as as it got more interesting, it got smaller. And it, it was very strange. And then, of course, Saturday, the format dictates there's only 32 teams coming back. So the room that comfortably seats 250 now only needs to accommodate 96. And two rounds after that, you've got 802 teams out the door. And a round later, another four get eliminated and then suddenly you're down at lunchtime on Saturday only suddenly there's only 16 teams less than 50 players are left in the tournament two hours after that another four are gone an hour after that another four teams are gone and it's the top eight on Sunday so the room was never busy and that's super weird and gave a very unnatural vibe to the, the whole thing but worked pretty well overall. We ended up with 37 teams with a winning record, only 32 of which could advance from day one. We ended up, I believe, without any tie breaks on day two, which is just as well because the tie break system was quite complicated. It involved, well, offshore accounts were in there, a uh, number of fairy godmothers, um, the number of magic sets since you started playing was definitely a tiebreak uh, in there. And also um, types of breakfast cereal beginning with X. 
uh, was one of the tie breaks. Um, it was it went pretty deep, let's say, because there were no draws allowed on day two. There were allowed on day one, and we had some. Oh yes, we did. So seventy three countries made it in, which in and of itself is a major triumph that representatives of seventy three countries could turn up. And also, well done. Remember, in previous years we've had four people on the team. This time around, just the three. So no coaches, no one player sitting out for three rounds at a time or whatever. And that meant that if you were going to play as a team of three, all three of you needed to have your passport and your visa and all your inoculations or whatever it was you needed to get into France. And all 73 countries did it. There were no teams of two, at least not to start with. Oops. Uh, and um, so great stuff. 73 made the start line. Uh, I did think about going from 73rd uh, to 1st, but instead, let's just do the, do this democratically, um, or democratically, republicly of congo or something, uh, and let's just go from A to Z. So, the 73 nations of the World Magic Cup, here's how they did, how fast can I get through this, let's see, uh, start, not very, starting now with Argentina. So I predicted the top 16, they finished in the top 32. They went four and three, uh, so they were in the sweat uh, for making it in uh, on day one, and they were very up and down. It was like win around, lose around, win around, lose around, um, and I get around, I get around. Ooh. See, that, that'll make it take longer. Uh, they made it into the top 32, uh, and then Lost to Bulgaria, and that's I think where they where they really lost the World Magic Cup for them, uh, because really Luis Salvato, Ariel Naj, Pedro de Diego shouldn't be losing to Uruguay, uh, to Bulgaria. They do lose to Bulgaria, and that sets up a lose and out match, or as we call it, an elimination match against Spain. And so you had Luis Salvato up against Javier Dominguez. Um, I don't think either of those nations would have been happy to be in an elimination match against the other one, but it was Spain who won. And so as a result, Argentina out in 32nd place. So a bit disappointing. And it was that loss to Bulgaria that really did them in. Australia up next. I predicted top 16. They finished top 32, 23rd. I had a very good day one. They were in at four and one. Um, but the wheels came off. Uh, day two. Day two is a brutal structure. Remember, three rounds, you have to get two wins. If you don't get two wins across those three rounds, you're done. And it means that because the winner plays the winner and the loser plays the loser, in round two, if you lost round one, you're already facing elimination. So by 10 o'clock in the morning, Australia, who had done so well on day one, were facing elimination because they'd lost to Lithuania. And in the elimination match, they faced Peru. They lost that. And that was it. Mines, Sherlock, Cubit, done. Uh, so again, I would say one rung below, well, one rung below my prediction. Uh, and uh, they'll, I think any team that loses in the top 32-02 doesn't even get to play the third round. Those are the teams that are going to be super disappointed with their day two, inevitably. So Austria uh, are up next. Well, they did rather better. I thought they'd make top 32. They did that. Then they made the top 16. Then they made the top eight. They were four and one uh, on day one, so got there with two rounds to spare. Uh, took care of business uh, in the round of 32 by beating Scotland, which is a big prize, uh, and then Thailand uh, with Kwantai Chunya and Co. Uh, so that was 2-0. They didn't need to play their third round. After lunch, they came back 
and put themselves under a lot of pressure. It, they were up against what looked like the best team in the group, which was Italy. Uh, and that was a terrific match with Mengucci and Rizzi uh, and Moscato. Italy win that one, putting Austria into the double Lillian bracket. They beat Bulgaria, and then they have to beat Uruguay to make the top eight, which they do, which is great. But the way the bracket worked out, it was Japan in the quarterfinals. And that match was not a lot of fun. It was not super close. Uh, they battled hard, uh, but as I'm sure you know, Japan go on to win the whole thing. Um, a tremendous effort. That's three top eights in six. Half the time, Austria made the top eight of the World Magic Cup. Brilliant job, but uh, no one got past Japan on the final day. Belarus are up next. I thought they'd be out. They finished 66th. Pavel Mietzvetsky, Anton Volodovich, Alexander Boslavsky. They had one win. That's one win more than exactly one team. There are a bunch of teams who had one win. I'm glad they got their one win. They were fourth last year. And incredible that they've had four out of five previous day two appearances. They couldn't make it a sixth and were never in it. Belgium are up next. I thought they'd make the top eight. I thought they were really, really good. They finished ninth. Started out brilliantly. Peter and Christophe Van Holzbeck, Jeffrey Saron, Pro Tour London champion, 4-0 on day one. Then they put themselves under the gun, and they did this twice. First, they lose to Poland in the top 32. So now they're in double limb. They beat Malaysia in the 0-1 bracket, and that sets up what was actually a really good match uh, against England in the decider to see who advanced to the top 16. Poland make it through. Then they go into the round of 16. They start with Japan, so shocker, they lose. So once again, they have to go win-win. They beat Lithuania, and then it's even Flock and the Slovak Republic to see who makes it into the top eight. Well, Slovakia win that one. Uh, and so at that point, Belgium are out. They're out in ninth. Um, that's the first time they've made day two and not made the top eight, um, but still a good solid performance and, you know, half a match win away from being right on track for where they probably were, which was one of the best eight teams in theory in the room. Bolivia out next. I predicted they'd be out. They got two wins, which is actually really good, um, but still way, way down um, in uh, sort of low 60s, early 70s place. David Soligurin, uh, they, were, they were never really in the hunt uh, for day two. Not a big surprise. So now they're one out of six uh, for day twos. Okay, Brazil are up next. Um, you'd think I'd have a lot to say on this. I don't. Uh, I thought they'd make the top eight. They're the only team in history to have three Pro Tour champions uh, in the lineup. Lucas Esperberto, Carlos Romero, Paolo Vidal de Rosa. They got battered. Two wins, five losses, 61st place. No idea what happened there. Look, there's some luck in what you open for the sealed. Um, maybe they didn't have very good pools. Maybe the decks lined up wrong um, in the standard because you can certainly have tough matchups and somebody will have sat in the wrong seat, for want of a better term. But nope, they just got battered. Pre-tournament favourites, top three for sure, got crushed. Ho-hum, back to the drawing board. Too many Pro Tour champions, maybe that's what it was. Bulgaria. I thought they wouldn't make day two. They sure did. They made top 16, finished 15th, went four and two on day one, which was excellent. Didn't even need the last round. And then they go into a group with Argentina, Spain and Panama, where 
they're probably the third or fourth best team. So when they beat Argentina, fantastic news. Now they need one win out of two. They lose to Panama, who were the big surprise um, in uh, that group. And then they're confronted with Spain to make it to the top 16. So Javier Dominguez and co, they win. Outstanding. That puts them into the top 16. And that's where they, they're done. Uh, they lose to Uruguay. And then in the losing bracket, they face the most excellent team of Austrians uh, with Elias Klocker and uh, Schrenk and Oliver Polak-Rotman, of course. Uh, so Uruguay and Austria take care of business. But... 12th last year, that was their first ever day two. 15th this year, top 16 back-to-back -back years. That's tremendous for Bulgaria. So very much one of the success stories of the weekend. Unlike, do you see that link there? Canada. Oof. So, yeah. Should go far, I said. Top eight, I said. One win and 72nd place, they said. I did like, I, I don't know whether you've seen it, I don't think I've got it right here, but um, the playmat features Jace with his head on his knees sitting on the beach. Um, they kind of recreated that shot uh, with Lucas Xiao sort of sitting on the beach at knees going, well, that didn't go very well, did it? Um, look, Eduardo Sanchez, Lucas Xiao, Kel Thompson, they were a very good squad. They just couldn't win any games of Magic ever. So, uh, 72nd, only one team behind them. We'll have to wait a long time before we talk about them. Uh, Chile is up next. I thought they'd be out. They were. Um, but 49th place, 3 and 4, is actually not terrible. Uh, one win out of the virtual tie, depending where you get your fourth win, um, for day two. So, I don't think Chile has got anything to be ashamed of with 3 and 4. China up next. I thought they'd make top 32. Yes, they did. And the 16 and the top eight. Brilliant job. Now, you couldn't really tell that on day one. They went four and two there. Uh, and then when they come into the, the pool, they've got quite a decent bunch against them. And they start out by losing, as you'd expect, really, uh, against Martin Uzer and the, the two Thomases um, for uh, the Czech Republic. They beat Hungary. And then this becomes the first group that we see where you get a rematch within the group because AVB, CVD, A goes on to win, C goes on to win, B and D lose. And then if the right combination of winners lose and losers win, the one and ones that are left, you're suddenly back at playing someone you played in round one, where one of you won, the other one lost, then you both do the opposite result and you're the only two teams left in the group. You, um, you have to face each other. Uh, so it was the Czech Republic again. They had to win. This time they did win, and that took China to the top 16. In the top 16, they did not muck around, and well done them. They beat Panama, then they beat Wales, and what that meant was that they avoided Team USA altogether in the round of 16. They just beat the two teams they had the best chance of beating, Panama and Wales, didn't have to face Jerry Thompson, Reed Duke, and Oliver Tomiko. Then they get into the top eight, at which point Italy go, no. Thanks for trying, but no. We are Italy, we're in our third top eight in a row, and no. But brilliant job uh, by China, by Liu Yuchen, Liu Chao, and Gao Tan. Terrific stuff. Well done then. So on we go. We're still on the seas. Uh, next door to China, as it were, is uh, Chinese Taipei. 
I don't think they'd make day two. They did. They got to the top 32, went four and two on day one. Um, and then disappointing uh, top 32 pool. They beat Wales. So at that point, they only need one win in two. Lose to Evenflock and Slovakia. And then it's Wales again in the rematch. This time, when it counts, Wales win and advance. So Chinese Taipei, 25th place. Nothing wrong with that at all. That's five of six day twos for them. Colombia, I thought they'd be out. They were. But they went four and three and were actually in 34th place. So only one team ahead of them who didn't make it in on tie breaks. Um, and we'll talk about them quite soon because they begin with D. Uh, so although they didn't make a third day two, I thought that was a really strong performance. So well done, Camilo Neo, Santiago Hernandez, and Camilo Urego. Four and three is a good job for Colombia. Costa Rica, I thought they'd be out. They were three and four, though. Again, perfectly reasonable performance. Marino Donato and the team, they finished 48th. I don't think three and four is anything to be ashamed of if you're Costa Rican. I thought Croatia would make the top 32. They missed out. They were three and four. They were in 45th place. Not a lot to say, really. Um, I was surprised because Vieran Horvat and Tony Portland are very good. Didn't know much about uh, Vladimir Ivanovic. Yeah, he was in his first Premier event. But they will have expected day two. They were a win shy of that. Bit disappointing, but not dramatically so. Cyprus, I had them as out. They were, again, three and four, though. 47th place, two-thirds down the pack. I don't think that's too bad at all. Daniel Antonio... Uh, this is one of the teams that's never made day two, so that continues to be the goal um, for Antonio, who's uh, played in a ton of these team events. So I imagine we'll see him next year, and the quest for a day two continues for Cyprus. Czech Republic. I had them at top 32. That's where they finished. Uh, they were 17th. Four and one was, a, a, I would say, a one win better than anticipated. They got out, they got out of um, day one with two rounds to spare. So that was great. Uh, and then the surprise was that they didn't advance from their top 32 pod. Uh, they beat China, but then they lost to Uruguay. And that was where the, the pairings arrive at the rematch. And it was China who advanced. Talked a, a good deal to Martin News over the weekend. And it was interesting. We've had coaches in the past. Uh, the fourth member of the team gets to sit wherever they want in between A, B or C and just talk with the players. It was clear, and not just Martin, but a load of the best players in the team were very taxed by trying to help what was going on in the other matches, uh, much more so than in previous years. And one lesson I'm taking away from this year is that it is much harder to rely on the expertise of one of your truly excellent players. Uh, teams that are what I might call one plus two, which this is. Thomas Langer and, and Thomas Giercal have two pro tours between them. Um, although Thomas Langer does have a Grand Prix top eight. But they're very clearly one pro plus two players. Whereas USA, for example, are two pros, read Jerry Thompson, plus a player. And Oliver Tomiko is very good as well. But they definitely didn't just have one central brain, if you like. And Martin User was one of those one plus two teams. And in the end, you know, there's only so much uh, you can do. No disrespect to the two Thomases. Um, but it was noticeable that a lot of teams felt um, that their central pro just couldn't keep track of 
enough sometimes. So anyway, uh, I thought they'd make top 32. They did the 17th surprise in the end because their group looked quite reasonable. They didn't make it out. Now, Denmark, uh, they won in the room in Nice in 2014. I thought they'd make top 32 again. I didn't think their team was outstanding. But they only managed two wins. They finished 59th. That is a very miserable day one uh, for Denmark. Dominican Republic. So this is one of my sort of punts. I thought, I'll take a gamble here. I think they might make top 32. Oh, so close. Capolican Lopez, Yacor, uh, Yapor, Jose Alvarez, Diego Velasquez. Great guys. Lovely to talk with them. Christian Calcano was around uh, to chat with them throughout the weekend as well. They finished four and three. They finished 33rd. Ugh. Just, yeah. Very, very sad. And made matters worse for them that one of the teams in the top 32 had, by that point, had a team member disqualified. And you might think, if you were Dominican Republic, well, why don't we have their slot? But that's not how it works. But nonetheless, four and three, just in isolation, a really, really good record. Well done to them. Uh, but heartbreak, obviously, for not making it in. Uh, Ecuador thought they'd be out. They were 55th place, 2, 4, and 1. And I think that 1 uh, came in limited, where they just couldn't finish in time. They had an hour, not enough, apparently. I think that was against Romania. Uh, El Salvador, um, fairly confident they'd be out. They were. Two wins, not bad. Still 65th place, though, for El Salvador. England up next. I thought they'd make the top 16, and the fact that they didn't feels like a missed opportunity because they played really well. They were 4-2 and two on day one. Uh, this is Alton Burchett, Niels Moller, and Ross Broxup, uh, and seemed in good place. They beat Malaysia to open their pool on day two. And although they lost twice, when you look at who they lost to, Poland, Belgium, finalist, ninth. Okay, at the time, on Saturday morning, that felt really disappointing. In hindsight, you lost to two of the better teams in the tournament and probably two teams that England weren't quite as good as. So, fair enough, 20th place, kind of okay. It's a shame they didn't make the top 16. Estonia, I thought they'd be out. They were three and four was about right, I think, for Carl Sarup and co. 41st place for them. Finland, I thought they'd be out. They were three and four, 40th place for Maddie Quisma and the team. France, on the other hand, well, I wasn't sure they'd go beyond the top 32, but I didn't really see how they wouldn't get there because I really rate Alan Bardini as a Grand Prix top eight. Uh, and of course, Pierre Dachon, who is a just terrific, what I might call workman-like magic pro. He goes to everything. He doesn't have bad days. He doesn't play terribly. He doesn't make catastrophic errors. He's just super solid, super reliable, super good. Um, so the fact that they missed out, very, very perplexing. And they had a positive record. They went four and three, uh, and they were actually featured in the last round of the day against two-time world champion Shah Shenhar and the Israeli team. But by that point, it was pretty clear that the tie breaks were so bad. They had they had had their losses so early in the day. They were one and two, uh, I believe, in um, the limited portion of the day. They just couldn't get it done. They ran out of rounds. They went 4-3, 37th place, five positions out of my top 32 prediction. And they will be very, very sad that they ran out of rounds because they are 
over a, over a number of rounds, they're just better than 37th in this field. Next up, it's Germany. I thought they'd make day two. They did. They made day three. They almost made it to the final. What a great run. 4-0 on day one, so that was the perfect record. Then they come back on day two. They beat Guatemala, sure you'd expect that, so now they're 5-0 on the weekend. Then they beat USA, 6-0 on the weekend. They don't have to play in the last round. They've currently played six of the, nine of the ten rounds. Outstanding work. Then they come back. They beat Philippines. That's them now 7-0 on the weekend. Then they lose to Poland, so that's their first loss. So now they have to replay the Philippines to get to the top 16. They play them, they beat them out uh, to make it to the top eight. So they beat the Philippines into the top eight. They go, they play Slovakia, which looked like the pick of um, the top eight. Great job. They beat Slovakia there. Um, and then in the semifinals, it's Poland's time again, who they lost to in the top 16. And Poland beat them again. Now, I can't feel too sorry for Mark Tobias uh, because he was ninth last year and devastated uh, and he was third this year and presumably really quite happy and well done to Philip Krieger and Moritz Templin as well. Uh, a tremendous job. Uh, that That is their first top eight uh, at the World Magic Cup. I thought they were superb throughout and a real, a real team, a unit of three people helping each other out not just strategically, but very definitely in the sort of, um, well, emotionally, if you like. Uh, Greece, I thought they met the top 32 defending champions, Makis Matsukas, Lethris Katsialis, and Yanis Kunturis. They went four and three, but it was not enough. They had run out of tiebreak time. So they finished 35th, defending champions gone on day one. Guatemala, I thought would be out on day one. They weren't. Great job. Well done them. Yes. Now, they were sixth in 2015, the, the big surprises there. Um, Fernando Jose Juarez Oliva was the captain. He led them to four and three. Uh, and they had their wins early enough that four and three was good enough. 29th, uh, they, they make it in. Uh, then they're in a pool where they, they basically needed one huge result. They were in a pool with Ireland, who by that time had already got someone DQ'd. Germany and USA. Well, they did beat Ireland, two-man Ireland, but they lost to Germany in round one. They lost the win and into USA. Well, of course they did. I mean, that would have been a, a shocker for the ages. Guatemala is not meant to beat USA at Magic. Let's be honest. So the fact they made day two at all, great job. Hong Kong, one of the biggest disappointments from my perspective. I had them in the top 16. They had two wins all day on day one. Finished 57th, Yan Wing Chan, Andy Chan, and Wan Hock Chun Anson. Very disappointing. Hungary, also very disappointing, though a lot further up the chain. I thought they'd make the top eight. Uh, they finished 22nd, good day one, four and one. Everything seemed in place. They're in a reasonable pool to start day two. But then they lose to Uruguay, they lose to China, and they're done. They don't even get to play the third match. And Hungary are out. They finished 22nd. Uh, and again, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, you're looking at each other going, how did that happen? We're out. We're done. Right. We've got the whole day to go sightsee around the French Riviera. Boo. Uh, so disappointment for Hungary. Iceland. I thought they'd be out. They were 53rd place, three and four. Nothing wrong with three and four in this field. Uh, so well done um, for the Reykjavikians. 
if they come from the capital. Uh, Iceland three and four, but didn't make day two. Uh, I had Indonesia out. This is one of the teams that had just one win. Um, they finished 71st, Aziz Ripat, Billy Nagrua, Ebnu Suriadi. I think they had a good time, but they didn't have a lot of good results. They win one match and they're in the bottom three. Ireland. Uh, sigh. I thought they met top 32. They did. They finished 30th. Good day one, four and two, but in the dying moments of day one, they get one of their team disqualified. Now, again, Dominican Republic asking, how come we don't get their slot in the top 32? You would ask that if you were 33rd. And the answer is, it's like soccer. Soccer's an 11-a-side game. This is a three-a-side game. If you get someone sent off, well, you've still got two players or 10 players to finish out the rest of the match. So Ireland were in this position where they sat down every round having lost the third match 2-0. But if they could win both of their matches, well, that's a 2-1 victory. So they weren't done. They lose to USA uh, in round one. Then they lost to Guatemala, and that was the two of them uh, done. I don't know anything about uh, the DQ, uh, so I don't have a, a view on it. Uh, sometimes uh, in the World Magic Cup, you get inexperienced players who make genuine mistakes that are grievous enough to demand the DQ. And sometimes at the World Magic Cup, you get players who are desperate to succeed for their country and for themselves and for their teammates. And it all gets a bit much and they make a poor choice and it's a deliberate thing. And they go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to try and pull something here because I really want to win. Uh, I have no idea which of those, if either, this was. Of course, could be a mistake and maybe a DQ wasn't warranted. That's also always a possibility. But in any case... Ireland went down to two players on day two, could not overcome that. Losses to USA and Guatemala send them home in 30th place. Israel, Shah Shenha. Well, I've already mentioned them. Uh, they were out. They lost their last round to France, um, Pierre Dajon and the team. Um, Shah Shenha uh, on the scene of his World Championship triumph, but three and four, 54. I don't think three and four is bad, actually, for Israel at all. They didn't have a strong team outside Shahar. That was a classic one plus two uh, team. Italy. Well, I had them in the top eight and they did not disappoint. My word, they were great. Um, 4-0 on day one, the perfect record, one of only four teams to deliver 3-0 in sealed and then win their first round of unified standard. They go into a group with Serbia, the Philippines and South Korea. And in a way, the surprise there is that it actually took them all three rounds to make it through. They beat Serbia, lost to the Philippines, so they have to beat South Korea um, to get through, which they do, and then they're much more impressive in the top 16. Beat Austria, big result there. Beat Uruguay, 2-0, done and dusted. Home we go, come back the next day. Quarterfinals, who have we got? It's China. That's a great matchup. China, in theory, were, were clearly the least accomplished of the top eight. So you get China in the quarterfinal, you get the great draw, and you take it and run with it. Beat China in the quarterfinals. Set up. Wow, what a clash. Italy against Japan. Wonderful, wonderful magic. In the end, though, of course, Japan advanced. So 
Top four for Italy. That's three top eights in a row for them. Three top eights in a row for Andrea Mengucci. He's becoming almost the face of the World Magic Cup. Right? He's so enthusiastic. He's so extremely Italian in in all the wonderful ways. Right? He's always smiling. He's always having a great time. Um, of course, it helps when you're always making the top eight. Um, but expect to see Italy right in the forefront of it next year, kind of regardless of who's on the team. Um, I expect we'll see Mengucci again, but who knows? Maybe Rizzi will overtake him this year. Uh, we'll see, but brilliant job uh, by Italy. Huh. I've just realised something. On Thursday, uh, on Friday morning, uh, when I did my team walk around, uh, all, the pl- all the teams are alph- alphabetical for their build. And I got to the table that had Italy and Japan and said, this is the table that's most likely of all the tables here, to be an approximation of the final. Well, I wasn't far off. Turned out to be the semi-final. Um, Japan, look, what can you say about them? They were 4-1 and one on day one. Basically never in doubt. They 2 owed their top 32, beating Peru and then Gerenis Vidigiris with Lithuania. In the top 16, there was a wobble, because they beat Belgium. Then by losing to even Flock in Slovakia... They faced a win-and-in against the very excellent Belgian team. Very excellent. Sounds like Bill and Ted, doesn't it? Uh, Most excellent. Hmm. Uh, Belgium again. They beat Belgium again, so they 2-0'd Belgium in the top 16 pool. Then the quarterfinals. And look, honestly, when you say Austria, Italy, Poland, it doesn't sound like you're saying Owen Turtenwald, Reed Duke, William Jensen. But if you wanted three really, really strong teams to face in your path through the top eight, yes, you could have had Brazil in there. Yes, maybe the Netherlands. Yes, uh, obviously Team USA. But Austria, Italy and Poland were all really, really good opponents and they did not lie down. But Austria, Italy and then Poland all go the way of everyone else and Japan are champions of the world. And there was something... Pretty spectacular about seeing Shoti Yasuoka, who is not my idea of a team human being. His idea of being on a team is working out the best deck in the world and then saying to a few people, I've got the best deck in the world. This is what it is. Play it. Don't play it. Whatever. Uh, Shota is absolutely about Shoti Yasuoka. It turns out that at the World Magic Cup, the interests of Shota Yasuoka being good at magic align with Japan winning the World Magic Cup. So in the final, Shota's waiting to play his deciding match. And he's just wandering around, just putting himself in the right place to play perfect magic. And the way he played Ramanat Red was extraordinary. Because you watched it morph from an all-in, punch-you-in-the-face, please-can-you-be-functionally-dead-on-turn-for-even-if-it-takes-me-a-couple-more-goes-to-kill-you deck into a, well, I might have played a couple of early drops, but honestly, you're at 18, you say, oh yeah, that's fine. 
fine. That's fine. Here come my six drops. Here come my planeswalkers. Here comes, yes, I'm just going to apply a little bit of nasty pressure here and discard a land here. And oh, is that one point to you when this land comes into play? And oh, I'm just going to sacrifice this land here. And that puts you to 13. And you may feel you're incredibly safe, but I've been planning how to kill you like this for months. And oh boy, that man just plays magic. Not just better than everyone else, but basically different than anyone else. Um, just about. Um, with respect to people like our world champion, Huey Jensen, and so on. Um, he, he is a truly, truly special player. And Japan, a truly special team. Kenta Hirana, Yuya Watanabe, Shoji Yasuoka, champions of the world. Exactly no one can be surprised. Except for the fact that was only the second time they'd made day two. Two out of six, which is still a rubbish return for a great magic nation. But... Not many can say that they're champions of the world. These three can. Great job. Next up is Latvia. I thought they'd make the top 32. They got crushed. 63rd place, two wins. Andre Prost and the team didn't get a look in. Better luck next year. Lithuania, um, I didn't think they'd make it through. They had a really good run. Top 16. Four and two on day one. Then they go into a pool with Australia, Japan and Peru, where really beating Australia and Peru feels like the goal. Well, they do. They beat Australia. So that gets them to 1-0, which means when they face Japan, it's not an elimination match. It's even if we lose to the best team in the world, arguably, uh, we've still got a shot against either Australia again or Peru. They lose to Japan. So then it is against Peru um, for the decider. They win that. They come back in the top 16. The wheels come off. They lose to Slovakia. They lose to Belgium, who are both very good teams. Uh, so 14th. That is an excellent performance that ties their best performance, which was 14th last year. Um, excellent. Second day two, second top 16, a very fine weekend. And yeah, well done then. Luxembourg. Ha. Sad story, really. I thought they'd be out. They didn't look like they had enough to, to get in. They finished 36th. They're four and three. But they got to four and three from 0 and 3. So they didn't win a match in sealed at all. Obviously that meant their tie breaks were terrible. From 4 and th from 0 3 to 4 and 3 is a tremendous achievement. And they knew all the time that it almost certainly wasn't going to matter. And they were right, it didn't. They finished 36th. But big hats off for the 100% constructed record for Steve Hatto and the team. That in and of itself is a huge accomplishment on day one. And just sad that the morning went so badly. Macedonia thought they'd be out. Uh, they were 62nd place, two wins, uh, nothing to see, move along. Malaysia thought they'd make th top 32. They did. They were 31st, one of the four and three teams. But when they came back, they began with a loss to England. And that put them in trouble because then they were double limb. And their opponents in the second round were Belgium, who are very, very good and strictly better uh, than Malaysia. So 0-2 in the first pod of the day meant they were out in 31st place. Malta were next, didn't think they'd make day two. They didn't. They were 51st. But 3-4 and four for Ayrton Mikolaj, Anton Morgenstern and Brendan Spateri. I think that's a good result. Three wins. Nothing wrong with that at all. They were 72nd last year. So 3-4, and four, nothing wrong with that at all. Mexico, I thought they'd be out. They were. They went three and four. Marcelino Freeman and the team, 46th place. So now they're three for six on day twos. 
the Netherlands. Oh dear, oh no. I thought they were going to make the top eight. One match win, 69th place, Thomas Hendricks, Kevin Grove, Dan Prout. Uh, uh, uh. It's possible. I, I mean, Brazil were out at two and five. I think this is probably the the actual most disappointing result for any team. Think so. Maybe maybe someone else will creep into that discussion. It feels to me like cert- certainly on 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 the Hagenometer, the prediction of top eight up here and 69th down here. Mm, oh dear. So Netherlands gone. New Zealand. I thought they'd be gone. Three and four, forty third place. Eh, never really in the hunt. Um, yeah, not much to say on New Zealand. I do have something to say on Northern Ireland. Poor Northern Ireland. They finished fiftieth, uh, out as I thought, three and four. Dean Convery, DJ Carson, Simon Carmichael came in. Only six teams, remember, had never made day two. One of whom was Northern Ireland. They were at three and two, with two rounds to go. Realistically, a win in either of the last rounds would have been enough, even on tie breaks at four and three, to make it in. So they go lose, lose. Three and four, fiftieth place, zero for six on day twos. Very, very disappointing, um, and I'm sure that they will have felt those two losses very keenly. Uh, so commiserations to them. The quest for day two continues. Uh, Norway didn't look like they had much of a squad this time, uh, and that's kind of how it played out. They finished fifty eighth. They had two wins. Panama, meanwhile, okay. This is one of the teams of the tournament. Uh, I thought they'd be out. They finished 10th. They went 4-1 and one on day one, which in itself was remarkable. Even more remarkable was what they did in pool play, because there you'd think, well, the good teams would start congregating. They were in a pool with Spain, Bulgaria, and Argentina. First, they beat Spain, which is a mental achievement. Great job. And then they beat Bulgaria, meaning they don't even have to play in the deciding round. They're through to the top 16. They lose to China, which in hindsight is the big, big bad news, because that was the last match of the round. They were going so deep um, into extra turns and into tiebreak land and so on. We knew that the winner would obviously have a match to lose still, would have a win and in and then another winning in, potentially, and that the loser would face Team USA, because USA had already lost to Wales in the first round. So as we were watching the end of Panama, for the end of Panama-China, couldn't get it on camera, sadly, we knew that USA was waiting for the losing team. That team was Panama. Uh, USA got rid of Guatemala earlier in an elimination match, uh, and this time they get rid of Panama. Uh, So Panama end up in 10th place. That is a brilliant achievement, they made the top eight last year, but ignoring that, 10th is still fantastic for Panama. A brilliant job by them, um, and congratulations. Paraguay, I didn't think would make day two. They did. They went four and two, uh, and they ended up in 24th place. They beat Scotland to eliminate them in the middle match of pool play, but the Thailand team uh, were just too strong. They played them twice in rounds one and then in the elimination match in round three. 
and they just couldn't get it done. They lost twice to Thailand, and that was enough to put them out in 24th place. That's still a really big achievement for Paraguay. Peru, similarly, I didn't think they'd make day two, but they went four and three, and they had their wins early enough that the tiebreaks stood up. So they were in at four and three. Um, unsurprisingly, they, like everyone, lost to Japan. But then they beat Australia to eliminate Australia, which is a great result. So that set them up for the win and in against Lithuania. Gaudenis Vidigiris progressed from that. So that took, was the end of the road for Peru. But Francisco Cifuentes, um, look, they only had one out of five day twos at this point. Now they've got two. That's a really good result for Peru. Well done. Philippines. Um, I don't think they'd make day two. Wow, they nearly went the distance. 11th place. Uh, got in in the last wave. Uh, they played the full uh, day one, four and three. But when they came back for elimination play, take care of South Korea. Then they beat Italy in one of the great results of the day two. So that puts them straight into the top 16. They lose to Germany, beat Thailand to set up a rematch against Germany. But Mark Tobias uh, proves to be too strong. But Mike Rohn, brilliant captain, Jan Ang, Philip Christopher Rama III, well done to them. A top 16 is tremendous. Great job. Poland, well, I said top 16. Yes, and more, and more, and more. Second overall. Four and two on day one. Uh, they come back in the top 32 and beat Belgium and England. Those are two very good results. Excellent. Then they get into the top 16. They beat Thailand. Then they beat Germany. Brilliant result. Those are four rock-solid wins. And again, they've played the minimum magic on day two. 2-0, two oh, wait a bit. 2-0, and oh, go home a bit. Fantastic. Come back. The quarterfinals are against Wales. That's winnable. They're probably favoured there. They win. Semi-finals. I know they've beaten them already, but it's Germany. Logically, they're in trouble. Germany looked great. Germany looked great all weekend. Poland beat Germany again. They get to the final. It's close. They really play their hearts out against Japan. They gave us a brilliant, brilliant run. What a wonderful, wonderful weekend for Poland. That's four of five at day twos. That's their second top eight. Um, I said every chance of going a long way this time. Um, and, well, they went all the way. They literally were the last team to be playing Magic. So, fantastic job. Poland is really on the rise. Um, Radek Katzmarczyk did great. Uh, Katzmarczyk, sorry, uh, did great. Obviously, Piotr Gagowski is just coming off his top eight at the Pro Tour. Uh, Gregor Kowalski is a former Platinum Pro. Uh, watch out for more uh, Polish players um, coming soon. We've just had Grand Prix Warsaw, um, so you won't see a uh, hundreds of Polish names uh, at GPs uh, over the next few months. But do watch out. I think Poland's very definitely on the rise. Portugal, meanwhile, mm, thought they'd make the top 32 because you don't back against Marcio Carvalho with anyone. Uh, they had one win. 67th place. Horrible, horrible result. Puerto Rico. I thought they'd be out. They were 38th place. 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. Pretty good. Isn't what they wanted. Obviously, everyone wants to make day two, but it's not a losing record. I think that's a considerable achievement. So well done, Adrian Marquez and the team. Romania, I thought they'd be out. They also went 3-3-1, three, three and one. 39th place. Uh, certainly, you know, a half, a, a half round, a full half round, if you see what I mean, uh, out of making day two. 
But nonetheless, Valentin Roman, Lukien Bendka, and Rezlad Kolome, 3 3 and 1. I think that's fine. Um, really, uh, you know, better luck next time. Russian Federation thought they'd be out. They were 3 and 4. They were in 52nd place. Never really uh, in contention there. Only one of six now on day twos. They're just not a European powerhouse. Scotland, though, are um, at this event. A tremendous um, group. Thought they'd make the top 16. They finished 21st, which actually will disappoint them because they cracked along on day one, went four and one. Um, and then they came back the next morning, ready to go, lost to Austria, and then lost to Paraguay. And that's it. 0-2 on the Saturday morning uh, and done. What I will say, if you haven't seen it, um, do check out on YouTube. There's uh, a piece that Brian David Marshall recorded with Team Scotland. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. Very interesting, um, pretty emotional, uh, very real. Uh, it was it was top. Uh, so well done, Scotland, because yet again, uh, they made day two. But it ended sort of one rung before it possibly should have done. So they'll have mixed feelings. Uh, Serbia, up next. Uh, I thought they'd be out. I didn't think they had a very good squad this year. Uh, 26th place, though, 4-2. and two. They had a disqualification on day two. Uh, they lost to Italy and to South Korea, and like Scotland, were one of the teams that were just out um, as soon as um, day two had begun virtually. So we didn't see much of them on day two. Alexa Teller off the captain for them. Singapore, I thought they'd make the top 32. Kelvin Chu is not someone I care to wager against, but in fact, they only had two wins and they finished in 56th place. Slovakia, meanwhile, well, I put them at top 16. They made the top eight. Four and three only on day one. They were one of the teams sneaking in. Day two, very different story. Top 32, they beat Switzerland, they beat Chinese Taipei. Bang, bang, through, get an hour off extra for lunch. Come back, they beat Lithuania. That sets up the first of two possible winning ins, which is just as well because it's Japan, except they only need that one. They beat Japan. Brilliant. Just about the only team to do so all weekend. Remember, Japan had one loss on day one. So that puts uh, Slovakia into the top eight. They faced Germany. It was a a very good match, uh, but they couldn't get it done. Germany advanced there. So in the end, even Flock and the team with their fourth day two, uh, they make eighth place, but making the top eight, fantastic work. Slovenia did not make uh, day two. They went three and four, 44th place, Robin Dola, Gregor Kassar and Anzi Yeromel. But three and four, they were out. That's kind of where I thought they might be. I also thought South Africa would be out. But I thought they might do better, and they thought they might do better than the two wins they actually got. 64th place is a is a proper disappointment uh, for them. Kalayan, Petkov, and Karanchetti were back uh, for multiple goes at this tournament. Uh, two and five is not, not what they will have expected. Uh, I thought South Korea would make the top 32. They did. They finished 19th. Four and two on day one. Uh, and they were in a group with Italy, with Serbia, with the Philippines. So... What you want to do, hopefully, is beat the Philippines, beat Serbia, and hopefully not have to play Italy at all. Well, they didn't quite do that. They lost to the Philippines, so now they're in the double elim bracket. They beat Serbia, great, so they're still alive, but that means that the end boss is Italy. Italy take care of them. 
South Korea, Nam Sung Wook and the team are gone, but top 32 is a fine performance by them. I had Spain in the top 16. They finished 18th, uh, and this was this was just savage that they ended up with Argentina in the group. 4-1 and one on day one, which was great. Losing to Panama was what set up that clash of Javier Dominguez against Luis Salvato and the teams in the second round, which they won, but then they still had to beat Bulgaria. Bulgaria were one of the surprises of the tournament, took care of business, and Spain were out in 18th place. I think if you're Javier Dominguez, you're probably a bit disappointed. If you're not Javier Dominguez, you probably think, we did all right. Um, so that was Spain. Sweden, I had them out. They didn't look a particularly strong team. And three and four feels about right. 42nd place. And by Saturday afternoon, Jo Larsson was back at home uh, in Stockholm uh, or in Sweden, wherever it was. Because I know there are other places in Sweden. Yes, there are other places like Gothenburg and Hildesfeldheim. Switzerland, how did they do? Uh, 28th place. I didn't think they'd make day two, so that was a good job. Four and two for them on day one, but then they ran into Slovakia and Wales, both of whom would go on to make the top eight. Uh, so Andy Gantz, Simon Lee and Marko Milovievic out. 28th place. That's still good, though. That's still more than fine. They only had one day two before this. Team Thailand. I didn't see them making day two, um, but they sure did. They made the top 16. Four and two on day one. Uh, they lost to Austria in uh, the middle match of the pool. But before and after that, they were able to beat Paraguay. So beating Paraguay twice got them into the top 16. Then more peas awaited. It was Poland and Philippines. And they lost to both of them. So top 16, a good job by them. Uh, and obviously, you, know, you can't come second every year, which they did in 2015. So a decent performance by Team Thailand. Turkey, Yusuf Kamal Vefer, Kana Actors, Cantaniel. Uh, I thought they'd be out. They were. They finished 60th. But talk about regional interaction. So they end up with two wins. But at two and three, uh, they're playing, I think it was Greece. And then they play Cyprus. Um, and so it was all just this little sort of um, Mediterranean hub over the last couple of rounds. Um, Yusuf Kamal Vefer, the more I see of him, the more I like him. He just seems a, a tremendously positive, pleasant human being. Um, he's very central to Turkish magic. Um, they will obviously be very disappointed with 60th place. Three out of five day twos is now three out of six. Um, but they were, from what I can tell, they were one of the best teams to have an experience of playing against. You really had a fun time if you played against them. Uh, next, Ukraine. I said this on the stream. I thought they'd be out. Uh, they were. They are your 73rd place team with exactly zero wins. And some people said to me, why, why did you mention it? Why did you talk about them? Like, you know, were you trying to humiliate them or upset them? I'm like, well, obviously not. No, I wanted to honour them. Um, somebody... You, you, you have a con every time you enter a magic tournament, you enter into a contract with your fellow players that you understand that we're all trying to beat each other because we're not trying to beat nobody. We're trying to beat our opponents. And you may be in the subset of players who are our opponents. And we understand that you're going to try everything you can to beat us. Right. And that's OK. And we understand that sometimes everyone's going to beat us. And we're going to be propping up the table. 
because somebody must. This time, it was Ukraine. Alexei Ryabakon, Yuri Babich, Peter Ritsenchuk. No wins. Now, obviously, I feel very sorry for them for not winning anything. But what I love is that they kept on playing. They just played and played and played and played and played. That's great. Good job. So, back to the drawing board. They've got four out of five day twos. Now four out of six. They'll be back. They'll win some matches next year. Maybe they won't win enough. Who knows? But in any case, if you're going to honour your Shota Yasuokas and your Japans, it's worth sometimes taking a moment to say hats off to the team that allow Japan to be better than everyone else because someone has to be at the bottom of everyone else. This time, it was Ukraine. So on we go. USA, USA, USA. How did they do? Well, thought it'd be top eight, top 16 in the end. They were four and two on day one. And there were times when it looked like it was a bit of a struggle. They come back. They're in that pool with Ireland who only have two players. So they start the day against Ireland already a game up, a match up. They win, beat Ireland. They lose to Germany. But the good news is it's Guatemala in the way who should not be getting, uh, who should not be beating USA. So USA win that, get into the top 16. They lose to Wales in the first round of the group. And that, by all accounts, was a really good match. Then they beat Panama to eliminate the Panamanians. And then it's Wales again. The Wales-USA match on stream was magnificent. I'm not someone who cares about who's making the right play or the wrong play or what the right play might have been. I just love what happens, what actually is going on. And what went on was mayhem. It was carnage. Uh, it was just utterly, utterly tremendous. Wales win, USA go home. Uh, the the dream final of Japan v USA is done. But you know, I think they did fine. And I also I also want to say the USA enjoys many, many advantages in the world of magic. And that's fine. It's an American game. Um, the company is American. It's based out of America. Most people who work on it are American. Uh, and by far the largest single nation player base is American. So it makes sense that there are well over 100 Americans at every Pro Tour. That's fine. And it's also fine that there are only one or two or three or none from some of the smaller nations. I don't have a problem with that at all. What is also true, though, is that the World Magic Cup is not designed for the USA to shine. And the reason for that is um, you only need to look at some of the smaller nations to see just how many of the national champions are the same or from the same few year after year after year. Saul Alvarado from Panama, even Flock, who's a great pro, but from a relatively small um, community, Slovakia, uh, is the captain over and over and over. Christian Ivanov, Bulgaria, over and over and over. There are many. USA doesn't have that because USA has a lot of good players and not an awful lot of great players. And of course, the trouble is, if you've got a lot of good players, 
if you're a great player and you have to battle through five good ones in a row, chances are that one of the five good ones just beats you and eliminates you. And no one notices the four good players that aren't named Oliver Tomiko who are doing well. They notice the good player, Oliver Tomiko, who's doing well. And they notice the great players who aren't. And it's a huge country and you turn up to nationals and it is it is such a tough tournament to be competitive in it is incredibly it this is one of the best teams usa could have realistically given the chances of actually having the three best players in the country is so small so i think it's because of those sort of if you like natural hardships and my heart isn't bleeding here for USA. I say, I think America has it great uh, in Magic. But because of that, there are people in the USA who don't take the World Magic Cup seriously. They don't aspire to be on the team particularly. If they're a gold pro or a platinum pro, they'd much rather just sit around at home, watch it, a bit of the coverage and maybe test for some modern for Bill Bow later in, you know, at the start of next year. Um, and also there is a, I think there's a cultural thing with, because sports are so uh, jingoistic uh, and nationalistic um, and and passionate in a in in a dumb way, and I put that in air quotes. I'm not saying it's dumb, but in in the kind of USA 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 thing, Magic players have a hard time with that because they look at it and go. Yeah, that seems a bit foolish, doesn't it? Mm. So it's really hard. What are you gonna What are you gonna do? You're gonna turn up dressed as Sam the American Eagle out of the Muppets? You know that's not what Team USA should be about. And I thought that Jerry Reed and Oliver were pitch perfect in the way that they honoured the competition. They honoured their own flag and their country. I thought the bandanas were just. I say pitch perfect. I thought that was great. Um, and they had a really good time. Uh, I think Jerry in particular really, really embraced the competition in a way of, um, you know, wanting someone bigger than bigger than himself. Um, and they did great. They didn't make the top eight. Obviously, expectations, particularly amongst the sort of semi-detached viewer in the States, are like, we're USA, surely we're going to win the whole thing. We're the best nation on earth, which, of course, in some level you are. Um, but when you only put three people in a room and on Saturday you have only three rounds or you could be out, only two rounds you could be out, and then you do it again, two rounds you could be out, and then you have single elimination, there's an awful lot of stopping off points where you can just lose and be done. So all in all, I had them in the top eight. They finished top 16. I still think it was a, an overall a win for USA. And, you know, Wales are obviously a significant powerhouse. Well done to the Boyles and so on. Uh, so Wales beat them twice. What can you say? Uruguay. I don't think they'd make day two. 12th place. Fantastic job. They went four and two on day one. Then they destroyed Hungary and the Czech Republic to advance to the top 16. And if I sound surprised, that's because I am. I thought Hungary and the Czech Republic were the nailed-on favourites in that group. Didn't see Uruguay getting out of that at all. 
and they did it with a round to spare. They come back, they carry on their winning ways against Bulgaria, but this was the vicious group. Italy were their middle match. They lose to them. Italy go on to the top eight. Then they lose to Austria. Austria go on to the top eight. Uruguay's done in 12th place. That is still a fantastic result for Uruguay. Absolutely brilliant. Venezuela. Didn't think they'd make it. One win. 68th place. That was grim. But someone has to be down there. Wales are up next. I thought they'd make the top 32. Yes. Spirit Award winners, fifth place, 4-0 on day one. Brilliant job. They lose to Chinese Taipei to start day two. That gets people nervous. Then they beat Andy Gantz's Switzerland. Then it's Chinese Taipei again in the rematch. They win that. They get into the top 16. They beat USA, lose to China, and then, again, they're part of, they're part of World Magic Cup folklore now for that incredible match against USA. Just brilliant job. Pip Griffiths, Sam Rolf, Aaron Boyan. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. To make it into the top eight, fantastic. It's a pity that the Dragon Onesies didn't get to advance past Poland, the eventual finalists. But you can never complain if you're told before you start. For a very small nation um, with not a, a lot of history, Nick Lovett has a top eight from Worlds in 2006. But look, they they were one of the real stories uh, of the weekend. So... Fantastic work um, by them. And so, uh, with the news that Yemen and Zambia didn't play, I reckon we've come to the end of the alphabet. That means we've come to the end of the story of the World Magic Cup. So, Brazil, Canada, Netherlands, massive disappointments not making it out of day one. Some really great stories on day two. A superbly strong top eight, given that, as always at the World Magic Cup, there aren't hundreds of pros running around the tables. We had a lot of star power on day three. We had a lot of great matches throughout the weekend. Um, I will certainly look back on the tournament fondly, as I do every year. I think the World Magic Cup is great. I think it's great for the game. I think it's great for... Probably 50 plus countries that see this as their everything in the world of professional magic. So while we probably won't talk much about Peru or Paraguay or the Philippines or Ecuador or El Salvador or Guatemala or Hungary or Dominican Republic, Croatia, the list goes on. We won't talk about them a lot in the next 12 months. But over the next 12 months, there'll be lots of people from those countries thinking, if I can make a GP top eight, maybe that puts me in contention for being the captain of our World Magic Cup team next year. Maybe I can be in Barcelona the third weekend, second weekend in December next year. And that hope, that possibility of being part of something so immense, so glorious in its foolishness amongst other things is really important in a game that has mana flood and mana screw and bad matchups and never drawing the third land and so on because hope is a, a very precious thing and 
I see the World Magic Cup as being a, a force for good in the game throughout the calendar year, not just when the spotlights come on for three days in Nice this year, Barcelona next year. So congratulations to Japan. Of course, they are worthy, worthy winners. Uh, they were among the top three favourites. Uh, Brazil didn't make it out of day one. USA didn't make it out of day two. Japan didn't let anyone else make it out of day three. And Kenta Hirano, Yu Watanabe and Shoji Yasuoka are your World Magic Cup champions for 2017. And brilliant, brilliant job. So that puts the World Magic Cup uh, to bed. So we're almost out of time here on the show. As I predicted, I was able to do all 73 teams in about 10 minutes. Uh, so what have we got coming up uh, this week? Well, two similar but subtly different uh, tournaments. In Madrid, Madrid, in Spain, uh, we have Team Unified Modern. So that's teams of three uh, and in a slightly weird, not sure how this happened way, someone who I can tell you will be in Madrid is Reed Duke. Uh, and Reed Duke, um, I think, is playing with Andre Strasky and Joel Larson, which is a hell of a transatlantic team. So I can't wait to see how they do there. Uh, so, of course, you can't play multiple copies of the same deck. Meanwhile, I'll be on a plane later today to Oklahoma City, where we play straight modern, just you against the world. Now, Piotr Glagowski uh, played blue-white cycling uh, at the World Magic Cup, and there was a lot of comparison with how he plays Lantern Control, because that's what he plays in modern. And I will be very disappointed if he's not in Madrid, or indeed Oklahoma City, playing Lantern Control. I had an idea, and, and if any of you would like to tweet at me whether you think this is a good idea or not, at MTG Rich. I had an idea that this Friday, when I'm in Oklahoma City, what I might do is see if I can find two Lantern Control players. And then I'll bring them to the feature match area on Friday once we built it and have them play out a Lantern Control mirror. Which I understand is um hmm, I'm not quite sure how to how to frame how to frame it. Um not altogether action-packed. Let's say that. And then what I thought I might do is, having recorded this hour and a half of footage, have it at my disposal for during the weekend. So that if chat, the chat room, are ever unruly, I can threaten them that not only will I play them without commentary, this lantern control mirror that I've got from Friday, but furthermore, because I have the power to warp time, and I actually do, there's a little button inside the machine that brings you the stream. It means I can play things back at any speed I want. I could play this one and a half hour match at like one third time, which means that every choice takes three times as long. Every draw step takes three times as long. And I thought I might call the piece Lantern Control Hell. And if the chat are ever naughty, I will send them to Lantern Control Hell. What do you think? Let me know at MTG Rich. Is Lantern Control Hell a good idea for the stream this weekend from Oklahoma City? We'll see what happens. Anyway, um, 
I can't wait for that because I love modern. I do actually love Lantern Control. I love that it exists. I don't necessarily want to watch it for 15 or 18 rounds, but I love that it exists. I love that you can play almost literally anything. Apparently, while I wasn't looking at modern, Mantis Rider has become a thing. Five Colour Humans is now a big thing in modern. And there's still almost, not quite infinite number of decks you can play. But just looking from the last week on Magic Online, the number of decks you can play, you've got all kinds of shades of Tron decks, you've still got Connected Company decks, you've got Absan Tokens, you've got Jund, you've got Affinity, you've got some kind of Fairies deck, you've got Blue Black Control, Blue White Control, you've got Jeskai Control, um, th there's just Living End, you've got Combo decks, there's there's all kinds of everything um, in Modern, and it, it, is, it is the deck paradise. Now it's not necessarily the pro player paradise, because it's very hard to sideboard properly. There are things you're just cold to unless you put tons of sideboard hate in, um, you know, and, and you can play what you think is the best deck in the room, and then you play three people in a row who are all prepared for you, and you just die in a fire. That can happen. Uh, and modern is slightly more uh, set up for that than some of the other constructive formats. But I do. I absolutely love modern. I can't wait to be... Uh, in Oklahoma City, got a great team uh, going to be there bringing you all the action. And of course, we'll keep you up to date um, with what happened in Madrid as well. So on next week's show, um, it will be the tale of Oklahoma City and Madrid. Then we'll turn our attention uh, to the last week of the year um, in Magic Action, which is going to be uh, GPs in uh, New Jersey and Lille, I want to say. That sounds about right. Um, something like that. Um, anyway, another double header to close out the year. In fact, why don't I just check that out for you? Ah, um, oh no, New Jersey and Singapore. Okay, fair enough. Lille, Singapore, almost identical. I'm sure you can agree. So uh, that's what's coming next week. Uh, it's just about time for me to go. But I promised you the answer to a question at the start of a show, and the question was. How do sheep communicate with dinosaurs? How do sheep communicate with dinosaurs? Now, someone I asked this to at the World Magic Hub had a reasonable answer. They said, badly. Yeah, okay. That's, that, that's kind of all right. But that's not the answer. How do sheep communicate with dinosaurs like this? Ram paging Ferocidon. Ram paging Ferocidon. I'm your host, Rich Hagen, saying thanks for being here, and I'll see you next week on Talking Points, or Talking Points. If you enjoy Talking Points, make sure to check out The Magic Minute, a daily magic news show from Hipsters of the Coast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play, or watch the video version on YouTube at youtube.com slash hipsters of the coast.